This episode of Writing Excuses is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse to start your free trial membership. Season 7, Episode 39. This is Writing Excuses! Today, death! 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Dan. I'm Mary. And I'm not dead yet. Yet. <laughs> it's okay, we got 15 minutes. <laughs> I think I'll go for a walk. <laughs> okay, um, handling killing characters. Uh, has everyone here killed a character? Howard, you've killed oh, some of my yes. favorites, so s- you I know. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, you killed people, yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. I've made my whole living killing characters. Yes, all right. And I'll be, let me be the first to say that I've done it well and I've done it poorly. Oh, okay. Over the last dozen years, I've done it well and I've done it poorly. That's a great place to start. Let's tell, tell us about well and tell us about poorly. Um, I'm going to start with... I'm going to start with Poorly. Okay. Um, one of the first characters I introduced in the strip was uh, Aliens, I introduced in the sti- mm-hmm. strip, was Shvu, who was a sort of a cephalopod-ish thing yeah. in a hover chair. Mm-hmm. And Shvu was kind of interesting, just sort of a calm officer. Mm-hmm. And, and then in a book where he hadn't been featured much, he got a tank instead of a hover chair. And... Uh, in a situation that wasn't supposed to be combat, got blown up and okay. died. Um, and a lot of people were disappointed with that, and I realized that it was there was too much distance between any measure of character development he got, which mm-hmm. was not very much at all, and right. the book in which he died. By the time you read about him dying, nobody cared. I cared because I liked him, but the things that made me like him weren't on the page. Okay. Or if they were on the page, they weren't on a page that was anywhere near him dying. That's, a, that's an excellent point. I mean, um, one thing I want to, to raise here is, um, for me, people say, why did you kill this character? And you guys, you, you listeners, you know that I take a fairly um, academic approach to a lot of writing aspects. I, I'm not one of those that's, you know, talks about the mysticism of writing and this sort of thing. But when it comes to a lot of character things, I am much more discovery writerish. And with killing characters, I don't ever think of killing characters. I never sit down and say, I bet they won't expect this death. There are some writers who I know do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll kill this person. So because that way they'll believe anyone can die. In fact, didn't Joss say and. Um, one of his movies um, where someone important dies, I'll kill this person to make them believe I'll kill anybody. Yeah. There, that yeah. was a deconstruction of, I don't know if Joss said it, but it was mm-hmm. definitely a deconstruction of Serenity uh-huh. where they said that it worked so well because yeah. uh, the first death, uh, actually it was the second death that yeah. we're treated mm-hmm. to, uh, once that character dies, we feel like anybody can die. Mm-hmm. And yeah. there's that moment where uh, Jane says... Jane and one of the other characters mm-hmm. are talking, and uh, you know she says, not not Jane. The other character yeah. says, you know, we we're all we're, none of us are getting out of here. And Jane says, I might live, and he's speaking for the audience at that point, mm-hmm. and she's speaking for the author. Right. Um, and yeah, in the deconstruction, you realize that you know after that first death on the ship, um, all bets are off. This right. could be a story that ends badly for everybody. Um, and that is academically one of the reasons, if, mm-hmm. you're, if you're approaching this academically, one of the reasons to have casualties. Yes. Um, is to, to, in some ways, raise the stakes, but in other ways say, hey, 
look, nobody is, is sacrificing. I think basically George Martin's career lately is based on this concept. <laughs> yeah. I, I, anyone can die in these books. And you believe it after even the first one. You believe, all right, anybody can die. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it gives a great sense of tension. Um, yeah, go ahead, The Mary. other thing that it does is that it gives importance to the deaths. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times what happens with people when, when characters are killed and killed, you know, where the death is, is cheap or not used well, is mm -hmm. that it's a throwaway death. It's, it's just, it's a body that's a background character, and it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. And... And that's, to me, those, those deaths are, are largely wasted. It's um, going back to, uh, to Firefly again. To, um, mm -hmm. You know, in that very first scene, there's, there's an a officer who's essentially cannon fodder. Mm -hmm. A lot of people die in that very first scene. But they take a little bit of time to let you see this man's fear mm -hmm. and let you, under, you know, let you have just a little bit of him before they kill yeah. him off. And that makes the death meaningful. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because the you, you, the, you're getting the audience to invest in them. Otherwise, it's just words on the page. Yeah. yeah. One, of the, one of the meanest things I ever did is uh, the big main character death in my third book, uh, I Don't Want to Kill You. And people... I'll hear like on Twitter all the time or an email, someone will just yell at me and say, Dan Wells, I cannot believe you just did this. And I'll say, oh, you just read page 267, right? Yes, I did. Yeah, I hate you so much. And the reason that I killed the person that I did is because that was the character I loved. Mm -hmm. And I knew that it had to be meaningful and it had to be important. And if I didn't want to kill this character, that meant they were the one who had to die because it would have the most effect. Because if I loved yeah. them, ideally the reader would love them as well and really feel the impact yes. when they left. And, and the, one of the other things that death does is that it reminds you that there is a cost. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and that frequently, not only is it the character that you, the author, love the most, but also one that either the audience or the character you know, your main character loves the most. And that sometimes there is a price that they have to pay for getting to the end. Um, I'm going to kind of diverge this a different direction. This is all very fascinating. This isn't how I approach it. Oh. Um, I, I, as I kind of started to say, this isn't how I do it at all. Um, I let characters take risks and then decide if there's a consequence to those risks. Mm. Um, and I actually don't sit and say, narratively, which character do I want to die in order to cr create emotional impact and things? I actually don't do it that way, um, which is very rare for me because I am so much of a, an outliner. Um, I instead say, okay, I'm building this character's arc, and what risks are they going to take? I will let them take the risks. What are the consequences if they take those risks? Well, they might die. And that, um, then I, I build the story that way. And uh, for me, I'm not sure why I do it that way. Um, I, something kind of makes me, you know, writing books is all about tweaking emotions. Mm -hmm. um, and, but something makes me cringe about using my character's deaths to tweak emotions. It's like a step I don't want to take because it's like then they just become a tool to me. Mm -hmm. um, if that makes sense. That makes, yeah, no, I, I, know exactly, yeah. I know exactly what you're saying. It is the difference between uh, playing the part of the clockwork god with mm -hmm. your universe and playing the part of a murderer. Well, I, I mean, no. That's the way. Yeah. That's the way. I. That's the way I look like at murder. it. If I'm killing, I totally am playing yeah, the I mean, part I'm, of murderer. I, mm -hmm. I'm like, I definitely. There are times when I am totally in your camp. In, mm -hmm. in Glamour and Glass, there's a death, and I was not completely certain it, right up until the moment that I wrote it right. which way I was going to mm -hmm. go. I was pretty sure. Right. But I wasn't sure which way I was going to go, and there's. Um, 
But but other cases um, in uh, Scenting the Dark, mm -hmm. um, I totally knew who I was going to kill and in what order. Right. Well, and Mistborn has a very big death in it. And the death was planned from the beginning. But it was planned as this character demands this, you know, this price. It's part of that character's plan, yeah. um, so to speak. And when things like that happen, anyway, it's, I guess it's just a mindset sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But it's very different. It's a time when Dan is very much more of a one drafter and I'm more of a discovery writer. So how often, because I can, I can see being uncertain mm -hmm. for I a death will, that I will happens. have two outlines. Oh, really? I will have a, if the, this is where the book would go if they live, this is where the book would go if they die. Oh, interesting. Um, okay. So it's a choose your own adventure novel. It's a choose, character <laughs> chooses their adventure novel. Yeah. Read. I actually did have That's a draft, um, outline draft of Mistborn without the main character that dies at the end dying. Really? It was wow. only a paragraph. This is where it would go if they didn't die. Um, huh. And that's the impact on the rest of the trilogy. Um, and as I've told you on Writing Excuses before, I usually write the first book before I do the rest of the series' in-depth outline. Before mm -hmm. that, I only have yeah. a few paragraphs because I need to have that first book footing. Um, and so, so I, but yes, I did have a draft of that where that character lived. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so we're now I want you to write the big epic fantasy 2,000 word or 200,000 word Chushon adventure. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, Buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible t-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. <laughs> uh, uh, we, we've got to do our book of the week. Yeah. Let's go ahead and stop. Um, I'm actually going to do the book of the week this week. Um, we want to do Grammar Girl's Quick and Dirty Tips for Better Writing. Um, I have read a great portion of this book and absolutely adore it. Um, it's A lot of people stress about grammar. And the thing is, we all know grammar naturally. And that's the thing that you don't know. When, when I became a teacher, I had this all explained to me. We know grammar. What you stress about as a writer is knowing the right punctuation and uh, kind of wording rules to make what you want to say come across on the page. And that's what you're looking for. You're looking to look at punctuation and grammar as tools to convey the proper emotions. Um, things you can already do in speech you want to come across on the page. And this book helps you do that. Um, and they are very simple and explain, they explain the rules in wonderful ways. Um, I suggest it's a great reference book for anyone. And they have a copy on Audible, um, which is wonderful. And uh, Grammar Girl is awesome. So check out the book. Grammar Girl is also available as a uh, podcast yes. on iTunes, which mm -hmm. uh, you should check out. Yeah, it's, it, it's a wonderful help. Yep. Yeah. Uh, head out to audiblepodcast.com slash excuse. You can start a free trial membership and download your copy of Grammar Girl's... Quick and Dirty Tips for Better Writing. Quick and Dirty Tips for Better Writing. You know, your two different endings, mm -hmm. possible endings, remind me that uh, Mira Grant, when she wrote Feed, um, in which she, she kills off a character that made me go, What? 
did you really just, and then she managed to get away with it. Um, and she, several of her readers would say, it's the worst possible ending. How could you have killed that person uh -huh. off? And so she, as a challenge, said, no, that's not the worst possible ending. This is the worst possible ending. Uh -huh. And then wrote an alternate ending called Fed, which uh -huh. is available on her website. Wow, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's very cool. And, and she's right. Mm -hmm. Well, like, and did um, it, asking for a spoiler for those who have read uh, Blackout, um, did, there's a point in Blackout where one of the characters talks about what might have happened had somebody else died in the place of the I, person who died. Have you read Blackout? Uh, yes, but talking about it becomes increasingly difficult. Yeah, let's not go okay. there. No. Um, let, let me say, going, being back to the main topic of killing characters, I really do feel that a character death should also match your genre. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. Meaning, I write heroic epic fantasy. When I kill a character who's a named character, when a character dies in one of my books, I want there, it's going to be at a moment of great power and, and emotion and things are going on. This is heroic fantasy. Um, there are books where main characters die to a random arrow in a random battle. Mm -hmm. um, when you're, you're writing, reading more of like a David Gemmell style book, main characters mm -hmm. can just drop in a regular combat, mm -hmm. almost off screen, not really, but you look over there yeah. and oh, they just died. Um, and that sort of thing, is those are very different types of deaths, and in fact, you can actually use those in both different types of books. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think you want to consider the um, the mortality rate in your books should match your genre. Yes, and also the way you present the death mm -hmm. as well. Because like when I'm writing um, horror, which I granted don't do often, I get very visceral with the death. Mm -hmm. um, when I am writing Regency, I actually pull back and go a little bit to omniscient for those deaths because. Right. It is too intense for the characters the way I am writing them. That they're because the moments... I'm sorry, just because I'm illustrating mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the character deaths that uh, that occur, I will uh, perform in silhouette. Mm, I do yeah. it in I do it in black and white yeah. up close. Um, and what's interesting is that uh, for for readers with uh, any amount of imagination. It's actually far more visceral right. because it's right up close to you and you're seeing the reaction of the rest of the room to it happening and you are there. It's almost like it's happening to you um, the way it's being illustrated. And yet, because it's not a big splash of gore, it's... Uh... Well, the other thing that I think that with yours in particular that I, I think also applies to prose is that... Um, that it allows the audience to imagine all of the other really gory parts, and frequently mm -hmm. that is far worse than anything that you can depict, whether with, with drawing or with words. Mm -hmm. and, and I think sometimes with deaths, you know, picking you know, the single image yeah. and, and zeroing in on that, you know, the, whether, it's, whether it's blood, whether it's the, the moment where they, the, the arrow hits them through the eye or mm -hmm. what have you. Yeah, the, the knife, uh, constant like knives. Like in, in, in the John Cleaver books, I, you know, they're horror books. I kill people all the time in them, and they all die in different ways. That you know, sometimes you'll see it right on screen with a lot of gore because the purpose of that death is to shock you mm -hmm. because we need to hit home how shocking the bad guy is or whatever. Other deaths will happen off screen and we find the body. Other deaths will happen off screen and we just hear somebody talking about it. You know, whatever the the purpose is, that really will affect how they die and, and how much of it you see. Okay, should we talk about how you as writers handle emotionally 
the idea of a character that you really care about dying. I get asked this a lot um, by readers. In two minutes? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it is... I am, I am usually sad when I kill off a character mm -hmm. because I have been emotionally invested in them. Um, and it's frequently I will write that scene and then I need to take a little bit of a break. Mm -hmm. um, that's what dark chocolate is for. Okay. <laughs> oh, I have, uh, I mean, as you, um, uh, as you pointed out before we started recording, now I'm alluding to backstory, uh, when I killed Schlock and brought him back, right. um, you know, there's, there was a reason I did that. I needed to show some things. I needed to explore aspects of his personality, you know, before and after uh, the event. I needed to begin exploring aspects of the technology. Um, but when I realized that the decision he'd made really was going to kill him, there was no good way for him to survive uh, that event, it tore me up a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so I punched up the uh, responses of a couple of the characters who were talking about it and recognizing that it affected them as well. Mm. And so I took, I took some of my own pain and said, hey, reader, you get to have some of this too, and you're going to live it through the doctor and the captain who are going to discuss how they're feeling. Yeah. I could not believe it when I, I was like, well, clearly he's going he's gonna to come <laughs> he's, out of it. He's going to pull through but something. What you, you, you didn't just kill him. I he's was, back, but uh, and, and it's and, and yet not. <laughs> and I br I bring that up, uh, at, you know, as a teaser for everybody else. Yes, there are places where I am going with that. Yes, this was this was important, but in a grander scheme that uh, stretches to the end of this book and beyond. So, what I said about uh, you know different characters dying for different purposes and and that affects the way they do it. That also affects the way I feel about it. Yeah. Uh, when that character died in, I don't want to kill you. It you know, tore me apart. And then I had to go through two different copy edits and two different proofreads, and I was sad every time I got to that chapter. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, I know this person's gone. Uh, whereas in partials, I killed someone, but it was a very heroic death. It was mm -hmm. not a victimized thing. It was a, I'm going to give my life so that you guys can all win. And I love that one. I, that one doesn't make me sad at all because that character got to go out in a blaze of glory. There we are. I've never felt, um, since I do plan things out as I do, the option is always there. And they've already died to me and lived to mm. me when I start the book, usually. Schrodinger. Yeah. So, um, anyway, um, let's go ahead and do a writing prompt. Does anyone have a death-oriented writing prompt for us? Dan? Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I think that just what we were talking about. You need to uh, find a way to kill a character and then write it uh, in a very sad way, and in a very heroic way, and in a very accidental way. You know, and I would suggest pick a character from a story you've already finished, and rewrite that story with them ending, with them dying. I, I think that's a brilliant plan. Cool. All right, this has been Right Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storytellers' stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. 
In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like, do you want to do a one-on-one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus.